Well, if you can turn in your Bibles to the book of Psalms, and uh, Tony mentioned my accent, as you can clearly state from now that I'm one of those Irish people that actually grew up in Ireland. My ancestors are not simply from there, but I, my wife and I grew up in Northern Ireland. And uh, so there's some words that will come out of my mouth this morning that probably will be a bit of a head scratcher to you. Just like Google it or do something or ask your neighbor. Uh, one of them is, is um, I've learned to change it, is this, the book of Psalms. Because for quite a few years, I would say Psalms. And most people are going, Andrew, there's no Psalms in the Bible. You know, he, it was Samuel or, or Psalms. So it's Psalms this morning. Uh, and it seems so unnatural for me even to say it that way. But uh, let's turn in, the, in the, the, your Bible to that. As, as I kick off, just a couple of things. The, the perspectives course, you know, as you, you listen in this morning, uh, hopefully the Lord's going to speak to you through his word. I would encourage you one really, really good next step. If what I'm saying to you this morning triggers something, makes any sense at all, sign up for perspectives, because I'm going to give you perspectives really, really light, okay? I've got 35 minutes to do it. Perspectives is many weeks, and you're going to dive deeper. But what perspectives talks about is really what I'm speaking to this morning, and it'll reframe how you look at your life and mission. Uh, and so I would encourage you to do that. This, the other thing, of course, is uh, my book. I'm, I'm really going to give you a bit of a synopsis of what I write about in my book. So there's things that I can't go into this morning in any level of depth, but I have whole chapters set aside for that in the book. So I'd encourage you to pick, pick it up. And um, I think what's out there is our remainder. If, if we run out, you can go on to Amazon and get it. Great. Okay, Psalm 67. This is the theme of our, our weekend of mission here at Rest and Bible Church. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. So that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. The land yields its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us still so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. As you look at this psalm, you'll see that there's really two major points to the psalmist's prayer or song of worship, and it's this. God, would you bless us? May you bless us. That's our prayer. That's our request. Would you bless us? Would you make your face shine upon us? Would you, in a sense, turn your attention towards us? And then the second point is now, would you bless the nations? Would, would all the peoples on the earth experience who you are, experience your blessing, experience your power, because you rule with equity. Let them experience that. That you bring forth harvest. Let them experience that. Would the nations experience your blessing? Would we experience your blessing? But there's a key phrase that links them two together. And it's this, so that... It's used twice, and it's used both in the same way. God bless us so that through us being blessed, the nations will see, the nations will hear, and the nations will come and worship you also. So our blessing as the people of God should result in the nations coming to know God, coming to experience God 
through the reality of God's blessing on our life. And again, this is what perspectives will unfold, is this meta-narrative that's in Scripture. You know, sometimes people think that the Bible is just a book of cute little stories with a few things we shouldn't do and a few things we should do. But really, the Bible is telling this a massive or this amazing big story, this glorious story of God's intent for creation, and we will be diving into it this morning, that God had a people in mind for himself that he would bless. And as he blessed this group of people situated in that little pocket of land in the ancient Near East, that the nations would look on and say, wow, what's happening there is different. Those, the, those people, there's, there's a hand, there's a blessing on them that's different from our, what we're experiencing. And they, they take notice of that nation's God, and they're drawn to that nation's God. And basically, it's the story, the Bible is the story of the Creator God relentlessly pursuing this people for Himself, protecting them, blessing them, bringing them back to Himself through, through moving them to other nations, and then eventually, of course, through His Son, bringing them to Himself. But this idea that God's blessing on His people would then reflect his glory to the nations is really the meta-narrative of Scripture. And so it causes me to think of us today here in the U.S. We live in a country that on many levels is blessed. I know that blessing is, not, is more than money. I know that. I've traveled the world and I've seen that. But if you look at money alone, we in the U.S., are in the top 1% of earners in the world. The global medium income in the world today is $2,100. And that's not a month, that's a year. And most of us, in fact, the vast majority of us, earn way beyond that. So when it comes to that, we're blessed, but blessed by freedom, blessed by safety, blessed by access to education, blessed by access to primary medical care, blessed by the comfort we live in in this country. God has blessed us. And so I would like to reread those first few verses to you one more time because I think we are a people today that actually should be praying this more than actually the, the prayer, God bless us. And that is this. God has been gracious to us and blessed us. And God has made His face shine upon us as a nation so that his ways may be known on earth, his salvation among all nations. God has blessed us so that all of earth will fear him. So as we focus in on this missions weekend together, it's a focus on the globe, not just the local greater DC area, but a focus on the nations around the world that have yet to hear Jesus about Jesus. Close to three billion in the world who will be born, live, and die without ever meeting another Jesus follower or ever hearing the gospel in a way that they can understand. That's the reality of our world today. The nations do not know God. The nations are not praising God because no one has gone to tell them. No one has gone to show them the power of this gospel, the blessing that this gospel brings through a relationship with God. That's our reality. But yet God has blessed us. He's made His face shine upon us as a nation. Why? So that we can just get more wealthy and more comfortable and more safe? No. So that the nations will hear about him. Where do we fit in that as individuals? You know, Andre, I'm not the missionary type. I don't think I could do that missionary thing. Actually, God has never called me to become a missionary. 
I've never had the burning bush. I've never had the, 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 uh, the bright light on the, on the road to work. I've never had the donkey speak to me to tell me what to do. That's not been my experience. So I've never been called to mission. So where do I fit in to this grand story of God? When do, where do I fit into this grand narrative that God is rolling out throughout generations? Where do I fit into the mission of God? Do I even have a place? Do I need called into that? Because that's not been my experience. I hope by the end of today, you will have an answer to that question. In fact, before you have lunch, you will have an answer to that question. Let me just quickly speak to calling. Calling is a word that we use all the time. But the reality is we have no idea what we mean by it. I know what, that has been my story. We have made it this mystical thing. We've made it this thing that's really hard to know. I mean, what father would ever withhold what he wants his children to turn out to be and do? I believe the calling of God is, is profound, but it's simple. And that's what we're going to look at. And, and, and yet, commentators down through the years have, boy, we've, we've complicated it. We've made it a bunch of different things. I read an article recently about the eight different types of calling. And meanwhile, few people feel called. So we have to demystify this idea of calling and see what does calling mean in today's world? Are you, are you saying, Andrew, that, that God doesn't speak to his people? Absolutely, he does. Are you saying that God doesn't specifically put a, a nation in somebody's mind? Yes, that's happened. But just like only a handful of the people in the Bible saw a burning bush or a donkey or a, a light on the road to Damascus, Oz Guinness says it this way, don't let that experience of a few people in the Bible be the expectation of the many. Too many people are waiting around for God to say, Andrew, go to Saudi Arabia. When there's so much of God's plan for our lives has already been written out in Scripture and has already been inserted into you as a person. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. So the calling, when, when I mention calling, when I talk about calling and even speak against calling in, in the sense of, of, of what we're going to talk about this morning, don't think of it that there is God doesn't call, but that it is in the sense of waiting around until there's a voice or something supernatural before I will step into the mission of God. That does happen, but you will see, I believe, this morning that actually there is something far more clear, far more simple. So let's dive into that this morning. I'm going to give you, uh, I think it's five or six different points, depending on how much time we have to get through it uh, this morning, that I believe if we look at these, we can actually understand what is, how do I live out my life in the context of mission and the mission of God? The first one is your identity. We have to start with identity, and I don't mean identity in the context of personality or abilities. We're going to come to that. I mean identity as in, who are you at the very core? What is your identity? You know, so often uh, we, we jump into how we should live our life out, or even why we should live our life. For what, why? But we have to start with this who question first. Because if you have a crisis of identity, you will have a crisis of purpose. If you don't know who you are, it's really hard to be who you are. So what's our identity? Well, let's look at Ephesians 1. Paul unpacks this really, really well for us in Ephesians 1. Let me, as, as you turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 1, we, let me tell you a story about our pirate, Rudy. He was a bird, not the, 
you know, the har har parrot, you know, one leg, the parrot as in the bird that flies. It was a yellow-naped Amazon parrot. Um, Sharon was not particularly too fond of our parrot because it ate the furniture, uh, so he's not with us anymore. Um, <laughs> but Rudy was hand-raised by a lady from North Carolina. Okay, this is, in a sense, key to the story. Okay, fun part of that is that Rudy spoke like a lady from North Carolina. <laughs> but the point of this story is related to this fact is that because he was hand raised by this lady he couldn't fly there was messages missing in Rudy's brain as he was being raised messages that that never at no point did he realize I have got these things as an extension of my body that if I flap them a certain way I can fly he never knew that so he would just sit on a perch all day and from time to time would wander down this perch and walk around the floor Okay, and if you've ever seen a parrot walk, it's not the prettiest or most fluent thing. They were never designed to stay on the ground. They were designed to fly. But Rudy didn't do that because Rudy didn't know he could fly. And so those missing messages in Rudy's brain caused him to live out his life in a way that was far inferior to what he was created to do. And so I, as we look at this this morning, and especially in the context of our identity, I believe if we, have a, if we have messages missing in our minds, a lack of truth about who we are, or maybe even wrong messages that have been inserted, inserted in there by the world, by experience, a failure in work, a failure in marriage, a failure in relationship, that now causes us to look at ourselves at much, as much less than who God says we are, then we will start to live our lives like Rudy at a level and in a way that we were never created to live. And so I want us this morning to allow Scripture to bathe our minds and our hearts as we listen to God's words and what it says about who you are and who God says you are this morning. Paul says this in Ephesians 1 verse 4, and he chose us, that's God, chose us to be his very own joining us to himself even before he laid the foundation of the universe. So before God did anything, before he created the world, he had something in his mind, and that was this, a people for himself. He had this intent in his heart, the Godhead, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, living in harmony together, being complete in every way. They did not need to create a bunch of people who would gather together once a week to tell them how good they were. That's not what he created us. That was not the intent. He created a group of people that they could enter into who he was. That they could be part of who he was. As God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And enjoy who they are. Enjoy his glory. Enjoy his nature. And he chose us to be his very own, joining us to himself even before he laid the foundation of the earth. Because of his great love, he ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. As God looks at you this morning, this is for believers, people who have recognized their, that they were dead in their sins, have looked to Jesus for salvation, have had their sins forgiven. As God looks at us this morning, he sees us as holy in his eyes. Not because of anything we have done, but because of what Christ has done. And now Christ, and when God looks at us, he sees that righteousness of Christ in us, and we stand before him with unstained innocence. For some of you this morning, you don't need to hear anything else this morning, only that. Because you've been living with a mindset 
that is telling you something different, that God could never love me. God could never use me because of what I've done. Yet God is saying, no, 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 no. Through Jesus, you're holy. You're set apart. You've been made right. Unstained innocence. For it was always in his perfect plan, Paul goes on to say, to adopt us as his delightful children through our union with Jesus, the anointed one, so that his tremendous love, which cascades over us, would glorify his grace. For the same love, listen to this, for the same love he has for his beloved one, Jesus, he has for us. And this unfolding plan gives him great pleasure. God's plan, his meta-narrative to bring, uh, create humanity, adopt them into this union with the Godhead, gives him great pleasure. And to do that, of course, because sin entered the world, he had to send Jesus into the world to make that possible once again so that we could enter into that family, fully into his family and be his children. That is our identity. Paul goes on in Colossians 1, he says this, even though you were distant from him, living in the shadows of your evil thoughts and actions, he reconnected you back to himself. And now there is nothing between you and Father God, for he sees you as holy, flawless, blameless, and restored. That's your identity. Never be shaken from the hope of the gospel you have believed in, Paul says. John puts it this way. What marvelous love the Father has extended us, that we would be called the children of God, and that is what we are. And so before we go any further this morning, I want you to see this. As we think of mission, as we think, as we think of this grand plan that God has, who is qualified, who is part of that, who is to step into that? We see it's the children of God, the people that he has made for himself. We have been made worthy to step into that. And this is where it takes us on to our second point. That's our identity. But then secondly, your purpose. You know, we're all so often seeking for our purpose in life. There's been books written about it. Uh, there's been uh, podcasts put out about it. There's a lot of motivational speakers out there to try and help you find your purpose in life. A lot of tools. But here's the reality, folks. It's not your job. It's not our responsibility. No created thing ever gets to determine its own purpose. Everything that was ever created was created for a purpose. And that purpose lies in the heart or the mind of the creator. And it's true of us as well. That we were created for the purpose of our creator, God. What is that? Well, Paul goes on to tell us in Ephesians 1, after he tells us who we are, he goes on to tell us why we are. He says this, that through your, in verse 11, through your union with Christ, we have been claimed by God as his own inheritance. Before we were ever born, he gave us our destiny. So Paul is saying, not only did he, before we were born, determine our identity as his children, he also put in there our destiny or our purpose, the reason for which we were created that we would fulfill the plan of God, God's plan, that's, there it is again, who always accomplishes every purpose and plan in his heart. So here's like a little side that I don't have time to dive into, but you see that, that we, that we would fulfill the plan of God. So Paul's telling us that we were made for a destiny, which is the plan of God. And here's the cool thing, that God always accomplishes every purpose and plan of his heart. So God has a plan and it's going to happen. And he's made us for that plan. And it's going to happen. So we are on the winning side. We're on the plan that's going to work. We are on the, in the plan of the creator who's working everything out for his glory and his purposes. But Paul, what is that plan? Where do we fit in? 
Glad you asked. Verse 12, God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. That's how simple it is. God's purpose was that we Jews, now just in case you think, well, I'm not a Jew, I get off. He goes on to verse 13, he says, now you Gentiles have also heard the truth and now you believed in Christ and he identified you as his own. So he did that, that we would be for the praise of his glory. So here's what Paul, Paul's saying is that, that we have been made the children of God so that living our lives in that identity, in that reality, we would do it for the glory of our Father. Peter says it, you know, Paul takes a whole chapter to say this. Peter says it in one verse. He goes, but in 1 Peter 2 9, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. That's your identity. Why? That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful life. Now, again, Paul's not saying that that's what happens simply on a Sunday morning when you come and you, you use your lips to praise God. Paul tells us very clearly in 1 Corinthians, he says, this, whatever you do, you do it for the glory of God. There's no other reason for your existence because everything was created by him and for him. So in everything you do, do it for his glory. That's the purpose for which you were created. And so we need to be very careful as the people of God that we're not coming up with our own purpose. And we don't lay out our own plan for our life. As we heard in the video, that it, often we say, what's God's plan for my life? Well, let's just start with what God's plan is and then insert ourselves into it. So often we see ourselves as the picture and it's like a puzzle piece, a jigsaw puzzle. And we have lots of different pieces, our job, our family, our, our hobbies, our ambitions, our dreams, our goals, and we lay it all out and we have this beautiful picture and then we have this little spot over here and we think that's the God spot. And we invite God into our picture and say, God, would you come and bless my picture? Would you come and be a part of my picture? Here's the reality, folks. God doesn't want to be part of your picture. God is the picture. And he's made you to be part of his picture. And you will find your greatest fulfillment in life when you take all of those plans and dreams and you surrender them to the great plan and picture of God and say, God, I want to be part of what you're doing in the world. I want to make your purpose, your glory among the nations, my purpose in life. And I want to use my life for that. Because you know what? I'm, I'm 50 years old, right? For 20 of those years, I wasn't that bright. You know, I was, you know, growing up, teenager, did a few dumb things, many dumb things. Then in my 20s, 30s, I was getting life somewhat sorted out, still not making the best decisions and from time to time. So I have like 50 years, maybe in the last 10, I'm getting better at it. But that's my sum total of experience on ever in, in existence. But I have an eternal God who's always existed, who's all wise, all knowing. And he's put a plan together, a way better picture than my little jigsaw piece, puzzle. And he's saying, come be part of it. I have created you for something far greater than you could ever come up with yourself. Yeah, yeah, you can fiddle around with your, your puzzle box. But what if we take our peace and say, God, it's yours. That's why I was created. I need to move on. How does this all work? Identity, child of God, for God's glory. What does this mean practically? Well, let, let's go on to the third point. It's your role. Your identity, your purpose, and your role. And it flows. Your role flows from those two things, your identity and your purpose. You know, so often... 
you all have, are familiar with purpose statements in organizations or businesses where they try to state why they exist. And, and they often uh, try to get to the, 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 the furthest state of why we exist. So we dig wells. Well, why do you dig wells? We dig wells so people can get clean water. Why do you want people to have clean water? We want people to have clean water so they can have healthy lives. Okay, so you get to a purpose statement. It's the highest level of, of your reason for existence. And, and uh, so that's, that's the purpose. But there's practical ways in which we live that out. And, and for this, we look at uh, Ephesians 2.10. Uh, one of my favorite verses in Scripture, and it was one of the verses that God completely uh, changed the way I, I think about this through reading this and studying this. Remember that Paul is writing this letter to the church in Ephesus, and he's telling them, you have been made the children of God through Christ. And you've been made the children of God for the praise of God's glory among the nations. And then he goes on in Ephesians 2.10 and, and, and talks about how that happens in two, 8 and 9, that you've been saved by grace through faith, not of works, so that you, can, you won't boast about it. But then he goes on to say that you're his masterpiece. You are his masterpiece. You have been made exactly the way God made, wanted you to be made. Why? He said you're his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for you to do. So what's Paul saying here? I believe this is what he's saying, that before God made you, he thought of what he wanted you to do, and then he made you in such a way to do that. Before God made you, he thought of the good works he wanted you to do, and then he made you in such a way that you could do those good works. Now this is profound if you, if you think. There's a whole chapter in my book about this because I'm going to move through it very quickly. But if you want to know what God wants, how God wants you to step into his purpose, the to live your life for the glo his glory, look at how he's made you. Because he's put things inside you. And I lay it out through the acronym that comes from a man called Eric Ries, SHAPE. He's given you spiritual gifts. Why? For the praise of his glory. He's given you heart or passions. Why? For the praise of his glory. He's given you abilities. Something that actually in the missions world we didn't talk a lot about. In fact, we asked people to leave behind their abilities and come do this thing called ministry. But if God has given you an ability in, engin in engineering, or God has given you ability in accounting, or God has given you ability in plumbing, uh, teaching, sports, arts, why has he given you that ability? For the purpose to which you exist, which is his glory. Because nothing that was ever created comes from any other source than God. Everything that was created comes from Him. It's for Him, it's by Him, and it's to Him. And so He's given you abilities, He's given you a personality that's unique. I don't think I needed to come here to tell you that. We're all unique in our personality. And He's given you experiences, vocational experiences, education experience, life experiences, that all come together to shape you into the person you are today. And God wants to use that shape to reflect His glory through you. And because we're all unique, we can all do it in unique ways. And because we're all unique, we can all do it in unique places. Because let me tell you something, that, the, that Pastor Mike cannot go to your workplace and be a reflection of God. He's, he, it, that's your job. Can't go to your college and be a reflection of God day in and day out. His role is here to equip you to go do that. And I believe he does it well. But God has uniquely shaped us to do it in unique ways, in unique places, for His glory. So your identity, your purpose, your role, embrace your role. Don't try to be something you're not. 
be who God made you to be. Because when you are who God made you to be, you're the most brilliant reflection of God on the planet. Did you hear that? When you are who he made you to be, embracing the shape he's given you, living it out for his glory, so not for your own end, but for God's glory, doing it with excellence. As a child of God, you're the most brilliant reflection of God on the planet. I have been to about 85 countries now. I've seen amazing sights. The Alps, the Great Barrier Reef, seen the Grand Canyon, Bryce Canyon, beautiful places. And I've often stood looking at those things, amazing scenes, and said, wow, isn't God amazing? And it's true. I'm sure you've done it too. But here's the reality, folks. They're only rocks. Beautiful rocks. Who actually, like the stars, day after day pour forth speech praising God because of their beauty. But we are the people of God made in His image. Specifically to glorify Him in everything we do. Uniquely shaped to do it. And as we do that, I believe we are much more powerful reflection of our Creator. Because they were not made in His image. You were. My question then becomes, Andrew, when's the last time somebody looked at my life and how I live it and went, wow, isn't God amazing? Andrew, I see something in you. I've watched how you live your life. I've watched what you do at work. I've watched how you interact in this neighborhood. There's something different about you. And then Peter says, always be ready to give a reason for that when people ask you. I have to jump right to the end. Very quickly, I'll give you my point, your commission. You know, everything I've just talked about was what was in the mind of the Creator before time began. Your identity, purpose, and role, all before time, Paul tells us, was decided by the Creator, which is an amazing truth, a mind-blowing thought. God decided this before time, and then He made us to do it. And then creation stands in front of Him in Genesis 1, and He gives them a mandate. Would you go, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and govern it? What's God saying there? It's more than about having babies. I can tell you this. This is what I believe God's saying. Would you go make more of who I've made you to be until, and be so fruitful at it that, that the whole earth, every nation, has people in it who are made in my image, who are reflecting my glory through their life in the unique ways I've, I've, I've made them. That's what he's saying. And then Jesus, God the Son, who was part of that discourse in Genesis 1, many years later, standing on a hillside, says this to his disciples in Matthew 28, same thoughts, different words. Would you now go and make more of who I've made you to be? Teaching them everything I've taught you until all nations have people who are worshiping God, who are following my teachings like you. And so here we have this commission that comes to who? A few called? No. That come to the people of God who are made as the children of God for His glory, uniquely shaped to do it. So every one of us who calls ourselves a child of God, have been given the same commission that the nations, the glory of God among the nations, the, 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 the purpose of God among the nations is our commission. It's not a call to wait around for before I step into. It's something I wrap my life around. It's something I immediately start to obey here and now. Now that's going to impact how I use my finances. How, how am I wrapping my finances around this idea of God's glory among the nations when, when so few know about him? And, and actually, if you saw the statistics about what we give 
to seeing God's glory among the nations. They're in the introduction of my book. It would scare you. But it's going to impact how we use our finances, how we use our time, what we do when we show up to work on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, how we're going to live out our life in a workplace. It's going to impact all of our life. And for, for some of you, maybe even many of you, it may cause you to think, could I go be who I am as an engineer, as a doctor, as a nurse, as a plumber, electrician, whatever that is, could I go be who, who I am somewhere in the world where God's not worshipped? So one of the things we're working hard at is how do we build pathways for people to go be doctors, nurses, engineers, business people in the unreached parts of the world, finding real jobs where they'll earn salaries, who are in the sectors of society where we need Jesus followers to live out their life brightly in front of other people so that they will see a reflection of Jesus and then ask for the hope. Praise God that many are going to do this. The opportunities are huge. So don't think of missions simply as something that I have to leave my job, raise support, and go do something else called ministry. There's still a place for that. But for many of you, that's not the way God would intend you to go. For many of you, it's simply to go be a doctor in Saudi Arabia or a, an engineer in Dubai. Living out your role for this great purpose of God's glory among the nations. I'm gonna, I had a video, but I'll, I'll, I'll pass on it just for the sake of time. So finally, your identity, your purpose, your role, your commission, and finally, your choice. If this is true, that you were made to be a child of God, to reflect His glory on the planet, uniquely shaped to do it, so that all nations would know my question to you as I close and the band come up, how will I position my life to be part of making that salvation known among all nations? I don't know where you are individually in your walk with Jesus, but regardless of where you are, what step will you take? What step will you take to reposition your life so that you can be a part of making his salvation known among the nations? How will I position my life to live out what I was created for? To not chase after my own plan, but to insert my life into the glorious plan of God for which I was created so that his glory can be known among the nations. I want to pray the prayer that Paul prayed over the church in Ephesus as I close. He was finishing chapter 1, and just wanting to make sure that this idea of their identity and their purpose hit home. Because he knew that if their eyes were open to the light of who they were, it would change everything. And if their hearts understood the power that comes with us wrapping our life around the plan that is going to work, not our feeble little plans, but the plan that's going to work, when we wrap our life around that powerful plan, then there's a power available to us that's absolutely incredible. I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling. That is, the wealth of God's glorious inheritance that he finds in us, his holy ones. I pray you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. Then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you.
Lord, would you use us? Because that's your intent. Would we put ourselves in a place where we can be usable to advertise you, your power, your goodness to the world around us and even to the uttermost parts of the earth, whatever that means for us. In Jesus' name, amen.